Have you experienced a mental health crisis in your family? Maybe you're struggling with your own mental health and you wish that you could rewrite your story. Well, today you'll meet Connie Jacob, someone who knows what it's like to experience the agony of mental health crisis in her family. But she's here to share about the miracle of her family story being rewritten. Welcome to this segment of Contagious Courage with Ian King. That you're here today like this this interview you guys is like way overdue um <laughs> connie is uh, an author she's a speaker she's founder of the hope movement i could go on with her titles but let's uh, let's begin could you tell the viewers why it is that you be believe in hope and can you really rewrite your story Ooh. <laughs> so hope is is interesting because a lot of us think that hope is about arriving somewhere we're on a journey, we're broken, we're going through some kind of crisis, and hope is when we arrive at the answer, and we're no longer there, and things are great, we've made a million dollars, and we're resting on the beach of Hawaii. Oh, that would be nice. Uh, that, that does sound hopeful, doesn't it? But I really, really what, uh, what hope is, is this idea that we are able to get through the hard stuff, that hope is something that we can't, can't grab onto, it's uncontrollable. And it's something that that drives us to know that everything that happens to us is is doing something for us, not against us. And so, like for example, in our in our home, you know, our son, you know, at six years old was uh, diagnosed with anxiety and depression and oppositional defiance and ADHD. And at age eight, he was suicidal. And we came through that. We came through that with a beautiful message of you never send the hurting away, but you bring them closer. You said something very profound and you said, um, I learned to bring him closer. Mm. I, I want you to uh, tell us how you came to that realization. Tell us about what was happening around that situation for you to be even able to come to that conclusion. No, it was, it was quite profound because rage was the way my son showed his depression. And so I would send him to his room. You know, he's wrecking our house. He's threatening our lives. He's, he's swearing it was just it was awful like he's he's calling me all kinds of names and so when we took him to the hospital and the psychologist asked me so what do you do when he's doing this and I told her I send him to his room she said oh no you never send the hurting away mm. you bring them closer and I didn't know what that meant I had no concept around that when I you know yeah. children of the 80s we got yeah. smacked upside the head <laughs> go to your room <laughs> go to your room you know and so I I bring him closer what does that mean and so three weeks later he was in the hospital for three weeks and comes home medicated and mm. I'm thinking great somebody mm. fixed him uh. and he's got a counselor I'm like awesome like we are finally able to move on with our lives but then he had that first fit of rage when he got home. And I'm thinking meds don't even work. Counseling doesn't work. Three weeks in the hospital doesn't work. Are you kidding me? And, and all of a sudden, um, I realized, wait a minute, was bring him closer. What does that mean? So I, I kept him in the same room while he was raging, <laughs> which was not easy. And I remember um, just saying things like, son, you belong in our house. We love you. We're going to fight for you. We're going to do whatever it takes. I'm not trying to change your behavior. And then I kind of choked on those words because mm. I'm thinking, I want to change his behavior. 
But I showed up like that consistently in his life for a year. And now, you know, I'm touring a, a parent seminar, helping parents overcome mental health challenges with their children and with this hope that we have mm-hmm. that our son got better. Mm-hmm. But now he's 13. Wow. Yes. And, and we are hitting another bump. I mean, mm. I think 13 is a, it's an interesting age. Yes. I call it the vortex of life. And it's interesting how, even though I've got this book coming out oh. and I've got this seminar, you know, we're at a real roadblock again. Hmm. So Connie, I'm going to uh, read something that you said, because I think that this is very, I know we've uh, summarized it a lot. Uh, you said, it took a year of showing up consistently like this, but then a miracle happened. Our son's rages disappeared. When he would experience large emotion, all we needed to do was put our arms around him and he would regulate. Talk to us about that. So we think that, um, so regulation, um, dysregulation, I call it going berserk, having a meltdown, right? So regulation is, is being able to be calm. And oftentimes what we do is we send our kids to a program mm-hmm. that, that, that will regulate them. But what they actually need, anybody, kids, anyone, we need one another to regulate. Mm. And we can only learn regulation in relationship. And so, you know, as we would bring him close, if he let us hold him, there's something neurologically that happens in in us when we're held or when we're seen. Mm. Even if you can't hold a person, you can look them in the eye. And that attunement actually rewires their brain saying empathetic statements like, I can see you're really frustrated. It takes the emotion out of chaos right. and yeah. names it. And and now they feel understood, which is everyone's most felt need is yeah. to feel understood. And when we feel understood, we feel like we, we calm down, we rest, mm-hmm. and we're able to, to just pause. And that's exactly what that is. And I find that interesting because isn't that kind of how we're formed is when we lean on God's chest. Mm. We are regulated we are healed so good we're transformed on his chest not away from him so good but the bravery it takes to sit there right and so i found it through this really seeing that you know um that's all we really want and need is to be brought close somebody's watching is probably like maybe experiencing some of these things with your kids, right? You're figuring it out. You're rewriting your story. Uh, I want you to, if you wouldn't mind, share like that journey, what was happening with you when you were trying to bring them closer. Mm, yeah. Right? Because people are watching. They're like, this ain't easy. And I want to pull my hair out. Like, oh, like share some of that journey because. Yeah. It's funny because I say that, you know, never send the hurting away, but bring them closer. And everybody resonates with that. It, it's very, and I even resonated with it. When the psychologist said it, I'm like, there's something on that. But man, it is not easy because bringing somebody who is violent closer, hmm. bringing somebody who is not being nice to you at all. Um, I don't recommend this for spouses, <laughs> um, but I, you know, it's hard to keep someone who is, is in brokenness and darkness sitting with them brings up all your stuff mm. and it's so uncomfortable when we've grown up in a in a in an age where it's like no 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 push that down we don't show that we're i'm i didn't realize how uncomfortable i was with anger oh anger was a trigger for me i just did not want to i didn't want to be around people who were angry so here's my own son who's angry but underneath his anger is extreme sadness 
Hmm. But you can't see that if, if you can't sit in someone's brokenness for a few minutes. And then instantly you're faced with your own brokenness or your and and you try to dismiss it by blaming mm. you think ah oh, i know whose fault this is it's my husband's fault right it's because of his family or because of the school system or it's because of the mental health like we're so quick to take the emotions that come up that are so vulnerable and painful for us and and we have all kinds of defense mechanisms blame is one shame hiding huh. it it's like, I don't want anyone to know. Let's not tell anybody that we're going through this. That's still a big thing for me because we want to appear shiny. Mm. The problem is, is that this is, this is real and this happens more than people say. Our kids, like the things that they go through behind closed doors. Right. It's, it's a real problem. We're only number 25 in the world for child safety. And I think we're that number because we hide everything. We're so good at masking our pain, hey? Yeah. And it's hard to come out of the mask and to, you know, as somebody who's been married for 20 years, you think those kids are from families that are broken and they're alcoholics. And, yeah. you know, I became an alcoholic after my son, you know, like the, we weren't the typical. And so you instantly think if I told anyone, yeah. I would look awful. And that's such a lie, but that's what you think. It's no one's fault. Brokenness is to be human. Right. And uh, when we when we ignore brokenness, it only increases. And in isolation, the darkness just expands. Mm -hmm. But you expose light to darkness and it has some hope. But I wonder, like in, in your journey of managing your own mental health and your family and your, your son's mental health, how important I want you to share with uh, the people who are watching. How important is boundary setting? Boundaries. Boundaries are huge. So when people here bring them closer, they think, well, that sounds like no boundaries at all but no there are boundaries and a lot of times um, people think that boundaries is I'm going to tell you what to do but boundaries aren't that at all boundaries is this is what I will do when you act like that mm -hmm. so I'm not trying to control my son I'm controlling the only person I have control over which is me we don't control our kids and many people think, I know, that's exactly why I need your help. <laughs> and I, I just say, we don't control we don't control anybody. In fact, control is a really horrible way to do relationships. Mm. I mean, think of the last time our husbands might have tried to control. How's <laughs> <laughs> that go over, right? <laughs> right? Nobody does well with control. We get defensive. We, be, we, we go to the back of our brain. We become very reactive. And that was my son. He was very reactive. And so boundaries is saying, I'm going to take control of myself. And so, for example, with my son, if you speak to me that way, I'm going to walk away for a few minutes and I'll circle back. I'm not saying, you can't talk to me like right. that, young man, because that's not boundary. Um, that's telling him how to behave. But I'm, I'm teaching him how I'm to be treated when I say, I will not be talked to that way. I'll come back in a few minutes. Hmm. We teach people how to treat us. And our, a lot of our mental health is, is damaged because we don't know how to have healthy boundaries. No. Uh, I've structured my life for the mental health of myself and my family. I'm not great at it. If my family's watching, they're like, she sucks. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, but I have gotten so much better. Like I, I put the phone away at a certain point when I can. I mean, there's seasons. Yes. But, um, or if I'm gone, it's like when right. I get home, no, I'm gonna be fully present. Um, my morning routine, you know, so that it's predictable for me and my kids. Right. We forget how much structure 
is honoring to ourselves and to our relationships. Right. And that is why you've created the hope movement mm -hmm. because you believe that other people are crying out to have their stories rewritten and don't think it's possible. And so tell us about the hope movement and what you're doing with that. Well, so that's exciting because, um, I mean, I didn't know if it would work. <laughs> and then we bring people together yes. and we give them a safe place. And what happens? They all start sharing. Yep. And all it takes is a couple of courageous people to share their story and everybody else is like, me too, or this is my experience. And honestly, just that's, that's the why is people's voices need to be heard. People need to come together and there needs to be some intentionality about creating yep. those safe places. Yep. And just like you experienced the conference in Edmonton oh, and how vulnerable people yep. got so quickly, that really shows us that there's a hunger for it. Yep. And so it's a movement of people saying, I'm coming out of isolation, I'm joining hands, I'm gonna be present in a room once a year at a mm -hmm. conference, but I'm also, I want, I want to spread this across yeah. Canada. Yeah. Right. It's a smile. It's a hug. It's a touch. It's like, I see you. I'm, I'm looking up from this device here yeah. and I'm actually seeing you. And we all have the opportunity to slay this giant of mental illness. Connie, um, final thoughts. I would definitely say, you know, hope can rise. Hope rises, but come out of isolation, come out of hiding gather mm. get somebody talk to somebody risk be brave be brave to come out this is not meant to define anyone anxiety is not anyone's inheritance and that's where the hope comes in because when people join hands and people come out of isolation hope rises people rise up and they become more resilient than they know yes. that's where hope rises right. is Absolutely. together what a blessing to have Connie Jacob in the house today. Connie, thank you so much for being here. If you want to reach out to Connie, all of her information will be the, in, in the description of this video. And all that's left to say today is not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to you and your name goes all the honor and glory for his unfailing love and faithfulness. Until next time, thank you. Oh, you're gonna you're loving you're, you're enjoying this is awesome you're enjoying this week <laughs>